0: Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get started. Today's episode, we're talking all about turning problems into opportunities with effective customer service. Now, if you have ever heard me say selling a serving, you may not have really understand the background or the context by which I come to sales and the lens through which I see sales. My parents were small business owners. I grew up serving customers because I was in customer service. And I always gravitated towards jobs and roles where I was in a customer service role. And so my background comes from that lens. And that's why when I say sales is serving, it's because my background is serving. My background is being in customer service in making people happy through the goods and services that are produced by a company, a business like you and and me, right? And so I debated whether or not I wanted to share this particular episode because it was a personal situation that I recently went through as a consumer, as a customer for another business. And I hate throwing shade on any business out there, no matter what the size is, because I think we're all really just trying to do our best. However, I felt almost obligated to share this with you. It's a learning opportunity, because I think sometimes we're so adamant about getting a sale that we forget about the basic principles of do no harm, right? Like that we're not getting a sale in order to make things more complicated for our customers or to make things worse. We're trying to make their lives better. And if we really ascribe to this whole adage of do no harm, which is not really from the world of business, but I think more and more, we really need to identify and take a look at, do our business practices cause harm? And I know that sounds very dramatic, but I'm telling you as a customer that went through a very stressful situation in order to get something done that should have been very simple and straightforward. And more importantly, with an organization that I used to work for almost two decades of my life for, that the things that I would have done in the same situation would have been very different. Now, I'm not saying that I'm perfect and that's not the the picture that I'm trying to paint, but I'm sharing this with you in the hopes that you can identify Where your process, whether it's in sales or your customer service, the way that you deliver what you just sold to somebody, does it actually meet expectations or has it created more harm than good? And my hope is that by me sharing my story and giving you an example, a real life example with me dealing with this major company, which I debated and I will name them because it's my own personal experience and something that I went through. And more importantly, I gave them so much grace because of my history with them, my relationship with them, my employment with them. And as a result, I don't know that I would have been so lenient and patient and gracious with another company. And I share this because our customers are like you and me. And when we are not doing our best because we're creating problems and when a problem arises that we don't take the opportunity to actually say how can I fix this how can I make this right how can I go above and beyond to make sure that you never have something like this again because I understand how inconvenient it is and how stressful it can be to have things not meet your expectations or worse to go completely off the rails which was what happened in my case And how we fix things can actually be a tremendous opportunity to turn what was a problem into an opportunity for good, into an opportunity for change, into an opportunity for more business. And I've seen this time and time again through my history, which is why I wanted to share this, because I think sometimes we shy away from problems thinking, oh, my gosh, now I have a peeved off customer. And of course, they're going to take all their business. Of course, they're never going to do business with me ever again. And that has never been my experience. In fact, uh, I would say less than 1% of all of the customer complaints that I ever dealt with, and I had to deal with a lot, let me tell you, less than 1% actually could, could not be solved. Like they just were not salvageable. I had to just give up and say, "I we just can't fix this really. Like there's nothing more that I can do. And I completely understand if you need to walk away. But they were so few and far between because I left no stone unturned. And I'm not saying that you have to bleed yourself dry in order to fix things for clients, especially if the circumstances don't warrant. But how often are we chasing after brand new opportunities and overlooking the golden nuggets that are hidden in our own backyard simply because we don't have the courage or the capabilities, the skills to be able to address it. And if this is an area that you are struggling with, I want you to just take a look in the mirror and be honest with where your gaps are and see if this is a a place where you can shore things up, right, where you can get help and support, whether it's through mentorship and a coach Or through team members and making sure that you hire the best people to support you in areas where you lack a skill set or a strength, right? Like that's your area of weakness. And that could be a team member's area of strength where they can excel, where they can really shine, where they can really help you turn things around, especially if you are facing customer complaints, refunds, or service issues after, especially after you have sold something that you have promised that you need to execute on. I keep hearing way too many stories of folks that have been sold something and gotten something different, that it did not meet their expectations, that when they were promised X amount of calls, right? So if they were promised 12 calls, that somehow that individual, the the person from the company who is now having to service and deliver this service has decided somehow or through no fault of their own, right, just by circumstances, that they've had to reschedule. But in that rescheduling and the shuffling of, of, of scheduling, that instead of 12 calls being promised and delivered, that there is now maybe six or seven or eight instead of the 12. So there is a gap in what was promised and what was paid for and what was actually delivered. And it has left a very sour taste in the mouths of those once paying clients that will no longer do business with that particular business. And I will tell you from experience that it is very rare for your customers to complain because most people don't like conflict. Most people don't like to bring things up and make you feel bad because it makes them feel bad. Genuinely, genuinely the majority of human beings want to be liked they want to like you they want to make sure that what they got is actually what's being delivered and that they've made a good decision because every time they make a mistake which includes oh my gosh i didn't get what i was promised it means that they didn't do their due diligence that they have somehow erred right that like they have they have made an error and that has created them to feel something about themselves And because of that, not because of you as a business owner not delivering what it is that you promised, but because of how people feel about that interaction, human nature being what it is, we very rarely will come up and complain and really squeak the wheel. And if that's you right now and you're nodding long head, right, alongside of me, and you're going, yeah, that's me, Susan, how many times? Have you just simply walked away from a business transaction, from something that you bought because it was too much time, effort, trouble, It just wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth the hassle of you putting in a complaint or trying to get it fixed. And instead of complaining, instead of addressing it, instead of communicating about it, that you just walked away and literally that person lost business without ever knowing why. And it could be, you know, after the sale, it could be before the sale even happens where that individual just lost an opportunity to work with you, to gain you as a client. And more importantly, that now you may have talked about that particular situation in such a way that other people now know. And I think the stats are like for every one unhappy customer, usually we spread the news to a minimum of three people. And so that's why it's so powerful to address customer service issues right from the get-go. Okay, so all that being said, I want to share with you, I'm not going to go into a ton of details because I don't think the details really matter, but I'm going to share with you what happened that caused the problem, how it could have been addressed differently and how I have addressed similar situations in my past experience as a leader in the same organization, and how you can address things if these things come up in your business today. Because let's face it, problems are not going to go away. We are not perfect. Human beings make mistakes. And the sooner that we recognize it and make room for it and have a protocol in place so that we can address it and know what to do, the more empowered you're going to be And the more confident you're going to be when something happens, because it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and when it happens. I want you to know that it is okay for you to make a mistake, but then that there is a huge opportunity for you to actually fix it and and go beyond just fixing it and addressing it and actually win that customer over for life. So. I know that there was a lot of preamble for this particular episode, and you're probably like, okay, this is a major cliffhanger season. So it may feel a little bit anticlimactic as you hear the story, but bear with me, okay? Because while I was in it, it felt super stressful. So So this happened October 29th. October 29th, I was going about my merry way, uh, doing some regular banking transactions with my uh, business bank, RBC. And as I was going through and I had to phone in to talk to an agent because of the nature of the transactions that I do. And as I was having this conversation with the agent, right, the expert for my needs, they happened to mention that I had been pre-approved for some credit. And I thought, okay, sounds good. But at the time, I didn't really have a need for it. But immediately as I finished the conversation and I got off the phone and spoke to my husband, who happens to be my bookkeeper, because he is an accountant by trade. And as I was having the conversation with him, he said, you know, it's actually probably a good idea for you to have some kind of credit facilities. I have a business credit card. I have a Canadian and a a U.S. card, because most of my clients are international. I use the U.S. currency as my main method of payments back and forth. This would be easier because I would have credit facilities directly attached to all my business banking needs. And I thought, okay, so literally October 29th, within a day, I said, okay, perfect. Let's go ahead and do this. Now, I had gotten some initial information from the agent over the phone because I needed to find out a little bit more information. Because like I said, I didn't have this need. This was being presented to me as something that they wanted to give me, right? So basically handing me a gift on a silver platter and saying, look how easy this is. You are already pre-approved. You can just take this. And I was not looking for this. I was not even interested But upon having a conversation, realized maybe we should, because it was going to be keyword so easy. (laughs) Now I can laugh about it now, but back then I literally thought because I used to work for this organization for a long time. And I know what the process is and how quick and easy it typically is. So. As I got back on the phone the next day, now call wait times have been tremendous just with all kinds of stuff going on. And so I went through the usual and I, it was probably over an hour. Like every time I call in, it's been over an hour. Now, I have no frame of reference other than what I have because everything that I do is for the most part electronic and or this telephone banking with agents that I need to speak with. So I knew that I needed to speak with somebody in order to get this process going. So that's what I did. So again, remember, this process started October 29th. When everything was said and done, this should have taken maybe seven to 10 days. Even with a little bit of a delay, they had said to me, maybe two weeks. Okay. So by mid-November, Now, at this point, I had made decisions based off of what I was planning to do with access to this other stuff so that I can manage cash flow. Now, as a business owner, I'm sure you can appreciate that there are times where you need to make investment decisions or you are putting campaigns in place and you're trying to move and maneuver things around to make the most sense of your assets. That's exactly what I help my clients with and what I was doing for myself as a business owner. So they now recognized, so this was a comedy of errors. And I I don't want to like badger it to death, but I I want to share a few key things and what I would have done differently because it literally opened up a can of worms of problem problem after problem after problem after problem. And it could have been so easily addressed without this whole long drawn out process, if somebody had literally just taken ownership. And this is where no matter how strong our SOPs or standard operating procedures or processes are in our business, if we deal with people, if we deal with real life human beings, there is no amount of automation that will avoid conflict and errors because humans make mistakes. Humans make mistakes. And no matter how automated your process is, something may or may not always fire, right? Like it might not line up or trigger or communicate properly. And as somebody who has built an online based business, I can tell you that there have been plenty of times where things went out when I didn't know that it was going to go out and things were supposed to go out and they failed to go out, right? And vice versa. So, I understand and appreciate that not everything is going to work 100% of the time. That's not life, right? In real life, things will go wrong. So the question then becomes, what happens when things go wrong? Do we have some kind of protocol or process in place? Can we use some common sense to really sit down and discern What is at the heart of the matter here? And what would address this so that we don't have this happening over and over and over again, or to pull this out so far that it now becomes like beating a dead horse? Because you can imagine this was not something that I asked for, but it was voluntarily and freely given. And because I had shared with you, it was going to be so easy. My goodness, that I said yes. Right. So how often do we sell something for clients thinking that this should be an easy? Yes, this should be an easy sell. This should be something that is quick for me to deliver. And then it doesn't. And then it drags on. And then there's a delay. And then there's a tech issue and we fail to communicate. So here's what happened. There was problem after problem after problem. Almost none of it was because of me. Almost All of it was because there were improper processes that were followed on the business side by the company, by RBC. And so when I think about this and I think about us as business owners, how often do we pass the buck and put blame on something that our customers don't even care about, right? For me, I didn't care that somebody went on leave right after this all happened. I didn't care that there was an error in the documentation. I didn't care that it was, uh, you know, the account that I had opened was actually didn't match what was on their system and had caused an error. So nothing could move forward. None of this really made any sense to me. Although remember, this is my background, right? This is, this was my whole corporate career. At the end of the day, as a customer, I don't care. As a customer, I just want to know that it's going to be taken care of. And I want to know that if this is a problem, it's your problem to fix. And I will do whatever I can in order to provide what I need to. But at the end of the day, somebody at the company, at the business needs to take ownership. And when we keep passing the buck as a business owner, because there has been a problem that has been entertained, right? Like We've opened up the can of worms and oh my gosh, I don't even know where to begin Even just communicating that, hey, I have this and I'm looking after it. And I'm going to communicate with you every few days to give you an update, even if there is nothing to update. When everything is said and done, I would have been totally fine. But what ended up happening was not that. There literally was no communication from the first point of contact until. Almost three weeks later. And the only reason why there was follow up contact was because I initiated it as a client. I said, Hey, what's going on? I don't know what's happening. I haven't been asked to sign any papers. I don't know if you still need something from me. Like, what's happening? Because there was an expiry date for both of these offers. One had already passed, the other was about to to pass. And so When all of this happened and we went through, so within very quick order, because, you know, the agent had made a sale, right? He had sold me a product. He had sold me another type of service. And so quickly he started moving through the process. So from October 29th, within the week, the papers were drawn up and I went into the branch to sign because they needed an actual signature. Perfect. So we did that. Now, you'll find it interesting. They didn't ask for any ID. So that should have been the first trigger because anybody could have been signing that documentation, right? So are we getting proper processes in place? But more importantly, are we following the proper processes, right? So having a process or protocol in place, but not following it, it's almost better to not have one at all. So within the week, we had signed papers then nothing. That's where that follow-up came in. So I got my timelines a little um, skewed here. I found out when I called in that the advisor that I had signed the, the paperwork with had somehow gone on an emergency leave. Now I know I've had major health issues through my life that these things happen. But again, there needs to be a protocol in place or process. What happens if you're suddenly ill? What happens if you can't do what you promised to do? Who's your backup? And so in a large company, there's always a backup. At the end of the day, the buck stops with the the leader, the manager, the person who is responsible for all of the team. And I know this because it used to be me. And so at the end of the day, they would have had some follow up in place. Now again, there's a comedy of errors, a lot of things went wrong. I don't I can't speak for who was there at the time and what happened at that time, but from a customer point of view, again, I don't really care. I wanted to know, to know that when something went wrong that I would be communicated with. And that's not what happened. And when I called in to find out what was going on, I was promised that somebody would call me back the next day. And that didn't happen. And so then I was busy, called back again the following week to find out what was going on, and finally got through to somebody who took ownership. Now, this wonderful woman, I forgot to write down her name. I think it's Lena. She was empathetic. She took ownership, and she did exactly what she said she was going to do. Out of the entire experience, if I hadn't had that interaction with her, I probably would have quit. And not just that particular product that I was upsold into, but my entire banking relationship. And I share this with you as a fellow business owner, but also as customer dealing with other businesses. How many times do we miss out on opportunities where if we had simply just said, Sorry, and taken ownership and done what we said we were going to do that we could actually salvage the entire business relationship. we could save the sale and I'm going to tell you this is not the first time that this has happened, not to me as a customer, but also for me as a a person you know being a representative of a business, whether it's somebody else's or my own. Do not underestimate how much impact you have. When you are able to turn a problem into an opportunity, an opportunity for customer service and an opportunity for success, because customers just want to be known and heard and understood. And they want to know that in their times of trouble, when something goes wrong and bump in the night, that you are going to help them because they feel vulnerable to not be able to take it on on themselves. For me to know that I could not control what was going on, but knowing so much information about what actually happens behind the scenes, I felt handcuffed, and I felt very aggravated because I know what the protocol is, and I know that in a similar situation, I would have taken ownership as the leader and said, let me deal with this, and I know that sometimes, especially right now, there may be different circumstances, different times, but that being said. Passing it off to people who don't do what they're going to say when you already have a problem is simply going to to put more cuts into the wound, right? A death by a thousand cuts is extremely painful and it is a long and drawn out process. When we understand the impact that we have and the influence that we have, especially when you are in a position of power and authority, and as a business owner, the buck stops with you. Right. And so if you right now are working for a company and there is somebody ahead of you, you can still influence that decision. I have done this even when I was an entry level, like frontline staff member to say, what can we do for this customer? Because it's extremely important that you are able to turn things around and give them a different experience than the problem that they are currently facing. And. I'm not going to leave you with a cliffhanger here because I'm sure you're wondering like how the heck did this end. Well, it finally was resolved December 13th. However, I'm still waiting for because one of the the things was a credit card. I'm waiting for the hard plastic <laughs> to, you know, arrive on my doorstep so that I can actually have use of it. Now, from start to finish, it has been well Over six weeks. In a day and age where more and more people, including you and me, are expecting instant, right? Like instant, instant gratification. Like if it didn't happen tomorrow, if it didn't happen yesterday, it's too slow. That I had given myself a grace period of four weeks. I had thought four weeks is plenty of time and it will be filled with ease and grace and just, it'll be super easy it was not filled with ease or grace or anything like that it was full with angst repeat phone calls multiple hours lost a lot of headache a lot of hassle and at the end of the day i actually don't feel like i was heard and understood i got the very bare minimum which was actually not even something that i asked for so in fact I got worse than that because it created a whole lot of work, a whole lot of effort, and a whole lot of energy expended for something that I didn't even ask for in the first place. In fact, the bank wanted to make a sale. They wanted to make multiple sales and make more money having me as a customer with more products and services, which I totally get. Remember, I worked for them. And I know as a business owner that this is something that we all strive for. We all want higher order values from our customers. We all want our clients to purchase more often and more frequently with other types of products and services from us. That's how we grow as business owners. But when we do it at the cost of not understanding the problems that we've just opened up, and when problems occur, because remember, I don't expect anybody to be perfect, let alone you or I. I expect the unexpected, and I know that things could, can and and will go wrong. Because if there's any guarantee in life, it's that nothing is perfect. Nothing will go exactly as you anticipate. And the beauty of that is that it allows us to rise up to the occasion and to show what we're made out made out of. And in this particular situation, I described the stress and the anxiety and my disappointment more importantly with the entire end-to-end process that there, there had been so many times for somebody to make this right for me as a customer to go above and beyond and I'm not talking about like you know throw me the moon I'm talking about do you understand how much time and effort and energy has been taken to to fulfill a sale that I didn't even ask for. That yes, I I agreed to because it made sense. But for me when I made the decision, it was because I thought the return was going to be so much more than the time and the effort that I needed to put in, right? The investment that I was putting in and it made sense. But in hindsight, when I look back, if I had known that this was going to happen as a result of me saying yes, I would never have agreed to it. I mean, It just sounds crazy, right? And you don't even know the full details. There's so much back and forth, so many hours wasted, so much follow-up that I needed to do that the company never did. And I'm telling you right now that I have been in those shoes and I have taken ownership and given all of that follow-up and done the touch points. And you may be thinking right now as a business owner, well, is that overkill, Susan? Like if you don't have an answer, why bother reaching out? Because your customer just wants to know that they are being handled, like that somebody knows what's going on and that they're looking after it. And even if there isn't anything to report back other than I still have it under control, that that reassurance is everything, especially when you're dealing with problems, especially when you're trying to create a really excellent, customer experience that will salvage the relationship. And I'm telling you right now that I would have done multiple things differently. The number one thing that if I can communicate this with you, when you have problems that happen in your business, you need to over communicate because people's stress and anxiety will go through the roof. Their ability to retain information will go down. They will be triggered into possibly an adrenaline response, depending on their context, their health, their previous experiences with similar sorts of things. And as a result, it is better for you to do more follow up than less to over communicate in order to lay very clear expectations and to make sure that you address not only just what the problem is. So in my case, yes, I got the the credit that I I kind of didn't ask for, but I actually did agree to, but nothing else to acknowledge beyond a simple apology. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. But that sorry came before the problem was fixed. There is no point in apologizing when you are going to continue to make errors because it just pours salt on a very, very raw wound. And when we recognize that these are things that we may be doing in our own business to our own customers that are shooting ourselves in the foot, I hope that you can remove some of these things that may be preventing people from doing business with you more and more frequently. I know it sounds really simple, right? That communicating and taking ownership, laying clear expectations, and saying sorry and actually meaning it, but not saying it until Well, I mean, you can say it all along the process, but really and truly, sorry, I'm sorry that you're going through this experience. This must be so difficult. What would you like me to do for you right now in this moment? What would be the most helpful? These are all words that I have personally used and asked from clients. None of that was ever asked of me. And if they had asked, I would have told them what needed to happen. I would have told them exactly what I needed to see so that they can meet my expectations. And because they never asked, what they kept promising and not delivering kept feeling like another wound, like another cut, another cut, another way that expectations weren't being met. And when we continue to do that, the deck is stacked against us because we lose credibility and we lose trust. We break down the relationship, whatever form that would have looked like. And so at the end of the day, when problems are solved, if you go above and beyond, and sometimes all it takes is a genuine, heartfelt apology with a token of appreciation. And I'm not talking about humongous gift baskets, or I'm going to fly you around the world. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about, you know what? I recognize that this may have been extremely stressful for you, your husband, your family, like whoever else is involved. My husband is part of my business as a signing officer. So he had to come in. So now you have not just one adult, but two adults going through a multi-layered process, super inconvenient. And just recognizing that, hey, Here's a token of appreciation, because I know that this must have been very challenging, really difficult. And we just want you to know that we appreciate your business. We appreciate your patience, and we thank you for continuing to give us your business. Here's a night out for a dinner. This is exactly what I've done for clients before. I've done dinners. I've done coffee at Starbucks. I've sent out books. I've sent out small little gifts. Like things that I I take into account and think, what would I want in that situation if I was the customer? How could I make sure that I am recognized and that I appreciate that, you know what, you went through something because of my error, because of the things that our business did for you that completely went against making things easier for your life. And it's created a hardship. It's created a break. In our relationship, it has diminished the trust that we have. And I'm going to tell you every single time, and this is not about buying your clients, this is about being genuine and heartfelt and leading with a heart of service and really taking the time to understand where they're coming from so that you can say, I hear you, I see you, and I know what you're going through, even though I can't know the full detail that I want you to know that I take it seriously. And when you do that and you create that opportunity to turn things around, that is a true moment of truth because your customers, every time that there is a problem, they're sitting right in the middle and they're trying to decide, do I say yes to continuing to move forward in this relationship or do I simply just walk away? And I will tell you that most people If they are put to the tipping point, that instead of telling you and giving you an opportunity to keep their business and win them over as another client that will keep doing business with you, they will simply walk away. How do I know this? Because of experience, because I've seen this with my my parents' business, through multiple failed businesses of my own, through my corporate career, through building a franchised location in that corporate career and now in my online business and helping clients do this and I will tell you because my background again is service it's customer service that without customers you have no business it doesn't matter how massive your business is all it takes is enough clients who are unhappy who are dissatisfied who never say anything to you, but simply walk out your doors, virtual or otherwise, and never give you an opportunity to win their business back. And I hope by me sharing this, this is not to throw anybody under the bus other than to identify that there are so many opportunities for us to turn problems into real business opportunities to not only secure the clients that we have, but to keep them with us Over the years, because I'm going to tell you, when you do this right, and I have done a lot of things wrong in my entire life in my business, and I will continue to make mistakes because I'm human. But when I'm able to own up to those problems and make it right and fix it, correct it, be humble enough to say, I've made a mistake and I'm sorry, and turn it around, I have gained customers for a lot longer than I ever anticipated. And those very same customers that had major problems have turned around and referred their family, their friends, and literally anybody that they could, to me specifically, to help them with their business, to help them with the products and services that I've sold through my career, now in my business. And I want you to know that problems are not something that we should be running from. Problems should be something that we should be embracing as an opportunity for growth, for discovery, and for greater service. So here's what I want you to understand from the very beginning of when I started implementing a sales funnel, because I didn't always have one, at least not from a traditional sense, You still always have a sales funnel because whatever it is that you're putting out there, whether it's your free content on social media or interactions that you're having with other people in uh, groups, networking groups, uh, social media groups, wherever it is that you're interacting with folks you're giving something that's of free value. So you're still, in essence, having an informal sales funnel. So for the purposes of what we're going to discuss today, this is specific around a more traditional type of online sales funnel, meaning that you have somebody who's opted in for either a free or paid offer on the front end, and you are looking to convert them into a paying client on the back end, right? So it could be a smaller paid offer, but For the most part, it's probably going to be a free offer, a lead magnet, an opt-in, a freemium, uh, something that you're giving away for free, Okay, free value up front. Now, the five things that I want you to keep in mind in order to make sure that you can consistently convert those leads into paying clients, regardless of how much you're charging on the back end, they need to have these five things. Number one is you need to be specific. Now, I've talked about this before, that if you speak to everybody, you speak to nobody. And it is nowhere more true than in your sales funnel because you don't have the ability to actually speak to people. You're using your copy, your language, your uh, digital storefront as the means and the mechanism that people become attracted to you. If you try to talk to everybody, guess what's gonna happen? nobody is going to know that you're actually speaking to them. So you must be as specific as possible. And I've had clients ask me, is it possible to be too niche? And for me, the answer is no. Just like a bullseye, the more targeted you are, the easier it will be for you to hit bang on, on the nose, exactly where the target needs to go. And then as you get better and better, you can, you know, start to expand the circle outward from there. But if you do it the other way around, it's really difficult for you to become known as the go to expert in the area that you want to be marketable in. As a result, the more niche that you can be, the faster you're actually going to see traction and growth. So number one, be specific. Number two, I want you to pick a big pain point. Big pain equals big payments. I'm going to say that again, big pain equals big payments. Now, I'm not talking about something where, you know, you have to make up something. I'm talking about these are things that your people, again, if you're specific, your people are already struggling with. If it is a major pain point for them and it is something that they're looking to get solved right away, it is immediately going to speak to your ideal clients and it is going to capture their attention. If you pick something that is just kind of blah and it's really not interesting or irresistible to your specific niche, it's not going to hit the mark and it doesn't matter how beautifully it's designed. It simply is not going to do what it needs to do, which is to attract people in order to get them to identify that I have this problem that you solve my friend. And that is directly related to something that I can pay you for, which is point number three. I need you to make sure that what you offer on the front end, that free offer that freebie or freemium whatever is that free gift, because it's related to a big pain point that it is directly now related to your back end offer or what you are actually going to charge for. Too often what I see is that there's an incongruence or a dissonance. The two are not the same. They're not even related. They're not even in the same ballpark. And as a result, your people are going to be very confused if they've opted in for one thing And then all of a sudden it feels like wait what's happening that I don't understand because as our good friend Donald Miller likes to say when you confuse you lose and I've said multiple times before on the show that when you confuse people they don't even give you the time of day they just leave they just leave because they don't have the time available to try and figure it out now more than ever Even though it feels like we might have more time at home, it's just that we are bombarded by messages and information and distractions and being pulled into a million different directions that it makes it very challenging to figure out how to move forward in doing certain things. And the easier and the simpler you can make it so that it feels really like it's step by step it's going to make it very easy for folks to say yes. So I'm gonna give you a couple of examples from my own business, and then we're gonna talk about number four and five in two quick sex. So when I first started my business, and I still have this freebie resource for you today, It was a major pain point and it still is a major pain point for the folks that I serve. The free resource that I created was how to turn I can't afford it into sign me up with the three specific strategies and exact words that you could use on a sales conversation or in a sales presentation in order to overcome and combat this dreaded pricing objection. Nobody wants to hear I can't afford it. And in fact, most of my clients have heard it or they are afraid to hear it, they don't want to hear it, when they're spending time with their potential clients and customers. And as a result, that free offer got a lot of interest, and it still gets a lot of interest even now. Now, the reason why I offered that is because as a sales strategist and an expert in selling, especially conversational and relationship-based sales, I know that my ideal clients should or need to have conversations with their customers. They're selling something at a higher price point that requires some sort of conversation. It has some complexity to it, and it requires some sort of discussion. And as a result, the thing that I help them with is how to have better conversions on those conversations. That is a big chunk of how I support my clients, uh, regardless of whether we're doing uh, one of my coaching programs or services like in Sales Mastery Society or Sell With More Ease, or at a higher higher level uh, private consulting or coaching relationship during a sales audit or supporting their sales teams. As a result, you can see that these two offers are directly related, right? If you're struggling with pricing objections I can give you some initial responses that will help you here and now and then i can give you a sales script a sales audit i can break it down step by step for you i can help you to identify what kind of leads need to be actually on those sales calls with you so there's a lot more that's involved than just that one piece and it is directly related to what i also do in a paid capacity they are aligned. Now, the immediate next step for most people that take that free offer is an opportunity to get my exact sales call script bundle. So they will get uh, the sales formula of what exactly they need to say so that they can uh, try to eliminate as many of those objections as possible, how to handle those objections, including, I can't afford it, but everything else that tends to come up during sales conversations, there's an opportunity for people to purchase that immediately after they get this free resource. So again, directly aligned and very congruent. Now, I didn't always have this immediate offer. I was initially just getting people to go onto the phone call with me so that they can talk about their objections and how I might be able to help them. Again, directly related, very congruent. And that freebie converted extremely well for me when I was opening up my calendar to have those sales calls. And it still converts for that next offer for clients who are interested in it. So number four that I see happening over and over again, which prevents you from actually being able to convert as many leads as you want into paying customers, is that you forget to ask You simply don't build it into your funnel. So you're giving them the free resource, but you actually never tell people how you want them to work with you, what the next step might look like. You don't give them an opportunity to give you money. You don't give yourself an opportunity to give them more help and support through a paid service, an offer, a program, a product that you might have available for them to purchase from you. You need to ask them. You need to give them the opportunity to actually do what you want them to do. So that is number four. And then the fifth one is to share proof because some folks are gonna need a little bit more information. Now, I'm gonna tell you that if you have done a really good job of speaking the language of your your market, of your best clients, that you have picked a major pain point and that it is congruent to your paid offer, you don't need to have pages and pages and pages of testimonials. In fact, I I did not. Uh, I still don't. I still don't share a lot of information about my clients because my clients, to be frank, are very private. And it's not because they don't get results, it's just simply because most of them come to me knowing that I'm going to uh, maintain their privacy, I'm going to respect the results that we're creating, and that because I speak their language, they know that I'm an expert and that I can produce what I I need For them in terms of results. Now, oftentimes you are your best case study or testimonial. And even if you only have one story to share, I want you to keep sharing that over and over and over again, because if it highlights the key things that the pain point that your ideal client wants to get rid of, that is enough. And I think sometimes we get so bogged down with, I just simply don't have enough proof. I don't have enough credentials. I don't have enough case studies. I'm just starting out or I've been doing this for a long time. But maybe you, like me, don't have clients or you have clients that want to maintain their privacy and don't want to share openly and outwardly uh, all over the rooftops, right? And it's not because you don't do a good job. It's simply because the nature of the work that you do means that they would rather not share that like all of that information out there. Share proof, even if it's just one piece. That's what I did. I shared my story. I shared the transformation that I went through. I started to share uh, some of my clients that would allow me to share their stories. I would then start sharing some of those. But I'm going to tell you that you don't have to share as much as you think. You simply need to pick the one that resonates the most with that pain point. And you need to make sure that you share as much of it as you possibly can in order to help put your ideal clients at ease that you do know what you're talking about and that you can produce the results, the transformation that you are talking about as well, right? You, we can't always guarantee a result. That's not up to you. You are co-creating with your clients and with the leads that are coming through your sales funnel. But what you can do is give them the opportunity to get access to that. So please make sure that you ask. Please make sure that you give an invitation so that they can purchase your programs, your products and services, and that you are telling them what that transformation is going to look like with a real life example, even if that is you you are your best case study, and it still counts, okay? So these five things, I promise, if you take a look at your sales funnel right now and you investigate whether or not you have included each of these different pieces, now I'm not gonna go into the tactical piece, right, of like how you set up a sales funnel, the technical pieces and all of those those things there. There's lots of courses and YouTube videos, and if there's enough interest, you know, I can always uh, do something, for you here, but inside of Sales Mastery Society, we break down all of the tactical and strategic pieces as well. For today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you understand that it is not rocket science to have a fully converting sales funnel. And that no matter where you are in your journey or in your business success, it does not have to be complicated and it does not have to be overly difficult to have leads consistently turning into paying clients at the level that you want. If you are starting to pour gas, like if you want to use ads or any other sort of traffic source, and you don't have your funnel dialed in, it is not going to be fruitful. It is not gonna be a good use of your time or your effort or your resources. And so I really want to make sure that you understand that these five components will allow you to set up virtually any type of sales funnel that you could possibly want in your business and ensure that it is going to be successful in generating the kinds of results that you wanna see in your business. Now, if you wanna dive in deeper, if you need some help and support into how to set up your very own sales funnel so that it will consistently help you to create leads and turn them into paying clients, I'm gonna invite you to come and join us inside of salesmasterysociety.com. The link will be down below for you where, Every single day and every single week, I review clients' sales funnels, their email sequences, their offers, their packages, their pricing, all of the different components that go into really making your sales funnel as successful as possible so that you are having a constant flow of leads that turn into paying customers. And I would love to have you if it serves you. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will talk to you again on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to let me know what you think by leaving a review so I know how best to serve you. If you're enjoying this show, don't forget to share and hit subscribe so you know when the next show is up. See you next time.